everyday witches emerge from the shadows of secrecy. Broom closets are flinging open and witches are taking flight. Whether you are hiding in your cozy closet or flying with pride, stay for a spell as witch casting with Theodora Pendragon and her guests share magical moments, stir the cauldron and debunk misinformation and misconceptions about paganism, witches and our wonderful world of magic. In the last episode, my guest and I talked about religious discrimination when he was deployed to Iraq. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, you will want to listen to Major Don Larson tell his story. But please don't leave yet. Today's episode ties in with Major Larson's story. I would like to welcome today's special guest, Dr. David Oringdorf. Dr. Oringdorf wears many hats. He's a 27-year veteran of the U.S. Army, a former Texas police officer, and he holds a Ph.D. in clinical psychology. But there is much more to Dr. Oringdorf. So I will let him introduce himself. Welcome, Dr. Oringdorf. It's an honor to have you on the show. Theodora, thank you for having me here today. I am Dr. David Oringdorf with the Sacred Well Congregation. Spent 27 years in the Army in two iterations. I was enlisted from 68 to 76. Got out of the Army for five years, went back to Texas as a police officer. And then in 1981, I came back on active duty as a commissioned officer and retired in 1995. In the meantime, I completed my education, and when I retired, I worked in geriatric psychology for five years and then went back to law enforcement and retired altogether in 2021. Major Larson first heard about Sacred Well Congregation when he was attending the chaplain officer basic course when he was in the military. This course had all the different faith groups from the various branches of the military. There were religious presentations educating this group about the different religions. One of the presenters in this course talked about how the military recognizes Wicca as a religion, how the military has open circles, and that Wicca is the fastest growing religion in the military. However, the military still did not have a chaplain of its own. When Major Don Larson, who's now retired from the U.S. Army, told his story on this podcast, he mentioned you and Sacred Well Congregation. Tell us how you became acquainted with Don Larson. Well, this was um, in 2005, I believe, and I was sitting at my desk and I got a call from this person who introduced himself as Don Larson, said he was a chaplain in the Army and was interested in becoming endorsed by the Sacred Well Congregation. So we talked a little bit, and I found out he was an evangelical, and red flags started going up. You know, what is this 
evangelical Christian wanting to uh, transfer his endorsement to the sacred world and, you know, uh, a Wiccan faith. And we talked almost daily for the better part of five, six months. And I'm still still evaluating and trying to figure out what this guy's agenda is. But a couple of months in, I realized he really didn't have an agenda. He was really sincerely uh, seeking another endorsing agency so he could practice his personal faith as well as do his military duty to minister to all faiths in, in, under his pastoral care and supervision. I flew to Kansas City when Don came home on his mid-tour leave or mid-tour break before he went back. And so I spent the, you know, spent the day with him and his kids and really became best of friends. And then we talked a little bit about how we were going to proceed with his request for transferring his endorser to us. And that's where the issue started. At that time, the military did not have a Wiccan chaplain. No, it did not. And he was going to be the first one. Yes, he was. We have been actively seeking, trying to get a chaplain uh, under our endorsement since 1998. And we've been close a couple of times, and for bureaucratic reasons and other reasons, uh, we never had a candidate who was accepted. We got uh, a candidate as close as his final interviews, but then he had to have a waiver, and so he was not accepted into the military chaplaincy. Don looked like he was going to be the perfect candidate. He was a serving chaplain on active duty, and that was before they inserted the rule that you can't use a serving chaplain as your first endorsed chaplain. But at that time, that rule wasn't there. And I think the rule was put in there basically to prevent us from being able to endorse Don and to prevent the humanists from getting a chaplain of their own, too. So because they had a candidate that was a serving chaplain of another faith group and they wanted to use him as their first candidate without waiver because he was already serving, so he didn't have to have a waiver to serve as chaplain, but he was serving for another denominational faith group. The armed forces came up with this rule that stipulated that you couldn't use a serving chaplain uh, for your first candidate. But normally this process would be very simple. He would just change from one endorsement to the other endorsement, and Sacred Well Congregation was going to endorse him. Right. He was going to be our candidate. We were going to get approval as um, an endorser of military chaplains, and we were just going to go from there. But we would have to have the candidate there before we could become an endorser. And if they pulled the candidate away, we didn't have a, a candidate to endorse, so we could not become an endorsing body. So then what happened? Well, Don's endorsement official pulled his endorsement and he was without a job. He was no longer a chaplain. Like a lawyer being disbarred cannot practice in the state where they were disbarred from. A doctor can't practice where he doesn't have a state license. If the state license is pulled, he can't practice medicine. The same thing with the chaplains. So here, the first Wiccan chaplain, who was supposed to be Don Larson, 
it just fell through and then you didn't have a candidate anymore. That's right. So we're still looking for the perfect candidate for our us to move forward and be able to endorse one or two chaplains. So to this date, there hasn't been a Wiccan chaplain? There's not been any Wiccan chaplain, any humanistic chaplain, or anything other than a recognized mainstream uh, religious organization. Why do you think there isn't a chaplain? Is there a need for one? I believe so. We've been supporting military members since 1996, formally. I have worked with alternative spiritualities, Wiccan, and other practitioners since before 1996, when I was still on active duty, as a matter of fact. I worked with chaplains and uh, soldiers and who were not able to practice their nature-centered spirituality without some help. So when I retired and we moved back to Texas, we established the Sacred World Congregation, which had been established two years prior in Belgium. But we do the formal process of incorporating as a 501c3 corporation. From what I understand, you're the founder of Sacred Well Congregation. Yes. Well, the prime mover, there were, I had cohorts, but uh, essentially, yes, I, I'm the founder. Tell us what the purpose of Sacred Well Congregation is. Well, the purpose of Sacred Well Congregation was to give us a legal umbrella to practice our religion. Actually, we formed the Sacred Well in Hainan, Belgium. And then when I retired, I established a 501c3 under the state of Texas corporation. And basically, the purpose was then to be able to be treated like any other church, you know, as far as tax exemption and everything else goes. But then we got into the military support and 1996, and by 1999, it was that was basically our primary function. I understand you helped facilitate the first open circle at Fort Hood, Texas. Can you tell us how you made that happen? Okay, the first open circle sponsored by the Sacred Well was in Fort Hood, Texas, and there's a group of pagans up there that have been trying to get accommodation for five years, but They either couldn't find an organization that would support them or the organizations they could find would not be acceptable to the Army. So they asked us if we would be the denominational sponsor so they can get accommodation to the chaplain's office. started talking with people as they contacted us and asked us for our help. We talked with them, and we were convinced that they were really sincere in what they were doing. And they were dedicated to what they were doing. So we would provide their denominational sponsorship. And so about three months after they contacted us, we actually got the approval from the Department of the Army for them to accommodate the group at Fort Hood. And that group at Fort Hood went along their merry way for about two years. And then the fact that the military was supporting a nature-centered faith group sort of became known through a a human interest article in Austin American Statesman. And then other locations started contacting us. And so by the year 2000, we had about six or seven circles under our denominational sponsorship of various military installations. And then the fact that the Army was accommodating nature-centered religions didn't sit well with the community around the Fort Hood area, a very conservative area. 
And after this human interest story in the Austin America Statesman came to light, uh, got everybody's attention around the Fort Hood area and beyond, Representative Bob Barr wanted the Army to break all ties with the Wiccans at Fort Hood because he didn't agree with them, actually. Um, What did he say about the group? Well, he said that they were a threat ordering good discipline of the military and that the Army should not be accommodating these fringe religions because it could interfere with their mission. Okay. Well, for one thing, the Army can't accommodate any group that interferes with its readiness because they're soldiers first and the Army will accommodate as much as possible and as much as reasonable, but they will not allow anything to interfere with the mission readiness, which makes sense. I mean, they're the Army. But the open circle didn't infringe on their readiness. No, it did not. No more than going to Sunday morning chapel would. They go, they express their worship, they go back to the unit, and they you know, do their jobs and you know, ready to hit the green ramp because that's what they do. So really it was a non-issue. It was a non-issue as far as that, that whole lame argument about interferes with good order and discipline. What was happening with the local church? I understand there was a local church outside Fort Hood that had a problem with the open circle. Oh yeah, that was Reverend Harvey, and he was he was an evangelical zealot, thinking that Wiccans were Satanists and they shouldn't be allowed to even even exist, you know, because he his fond quote was, you know, God said, "Suffer not a wish to live," and Wiccans often call themselves witches, and so therefore. They shouldn't be living, according to Reverend Harvey. I hear a lot of people quoting that from the Bible, Exodus twenty-two eighteen: "Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live." Yes, they do, but it's not an accurate translation. I believe it's "suffer not a sorcerer to live" or a magician. I'm not sure. That was King James, and he was uh, just coming off an attempt assassination by poisoning by what he believed was a witch who was trying to kill him. Translation came to front. He changed that word in the King James Version. In the Luther Bible, I believe it's poisoner. And in one of the other translations, it's sorcerer. But it hasn't been changed back to anything else since then. Do you want to talk about that correspondent who contacted you about a story? That was in 1999. She contacted me in 96 uh, after we had started sponsoring the uh, Fort Hood Open Circle. She found out about it and wanted to do a human interest article on the Wiccans of Fort Hood. And I didn't think that would be a good idea. Continue talking with her, but didn't want really to the publicity. Chaplain Gunter, the chairman of the AFCB, I talked with him about once every couple of weeks or something about the chaplain issue and other issues we were having with uh, support from the military. And I was talking with him about something unrelated. Oh, by the way, Chaplain Gunter, I've been putting off this 
this reporter for about two years. She wants to do a human interest story of our group at Fort Hood, and I don't think that's a good idea. I don't want the blowback. And then Captain Gunter said, well, Dr. Ringers, if you don't give them a story, they're going to get a story anyway, and you may not like it. Might as well give them the real story. Right. And so he assured me that they would take care of things in the Pentagon, and I would have to manage things on the ground for any blowback. I said, okay, we can do that. It didn't take long after the story hit the press to really start getting people's attention. I mean, it it was picked up by several other outlets. The Austin Statesman article was picked up by several other newspapers very quickly, and it got the attention of Senate Representative Bob Barr and Strom Thurmond and a bunch of people out there who didn't like the Army accommodating minority faith groups, is what they were called at the time. And what were they saying about minority faith groups? Well, they were Satan worshipers. The, the same stuff that was going on uh, in the greater community about witches and Satan worshiping. And this, of course, was during the uh, satanic ritual abuse madness just coming out of that. Well, are you saying that was during the what they call the satanic panic? Yes, yes. And I was a psychologist in law enforcement during that panic as well. I mean, so I was familiar with that. Did you see that in law enforcement? People being accused, Satan worshipers and being prosecuted? Well, in law enforcement, the only thing we prosecuted was crimes. We didn't prosecute anybody's religion. And if what they were doing in the name of their religion was not a crime, then I wasn't interested in it. Agencies that had different ideas, just like we had different communities having different ideas about the whole but it was a very sensitive topic when the article came out and the realization that the Army had a lot of minority faith groups in it and they had a right to be accommodated just like everybody else. That's right. And since I was a retired Army officer, I knew how to navigate and talk to the right people in the military to, to get things done that needed to be done, so. And with your background, you had credibility. Yes. So going forward, now there are open circles on many military installations, correct? Correct. And during the height of, of the war, we had a lot of people deployed and a lot of open circles. I think at one time we had uh, 37 circles and almost half of them were deployed. The war stood down, so have deployed circles. But we still have several active open circles in garrison. After the open circles, then you got involved with getting the pentacle on grave markers of veterans, deceased veterans. How did you right. come into all that? Me and the Sacred Wealth Congregation participated in the effort. The idea for the Pentacle Headstone actually came about through a person, a man named Charles Arnold. Uh, he was a gardenerian on the East Coast with the East Coast group. And he was also a veteran. And he thought that everybody has their symbol, you know, the Christians and the Protestants and the Catholic uh, and the uh, Muslims and the Jews all have their symbols. But there's no symbols for pagans. So, 
he wanted to convince the Department of Veterans Affairs to make a distinguished headstone available to pagan soldiers. And at the time he started, it was still a big deal because it was a very expensive thing to do because they didn't have all the laser cutting of, of the designs and things. Now it's much easier to get additional symbols and they have picked up additional symbols. But that was back in the early 2000s that Arnold started this. And there was a lot of politics going on and some groups would support it and some groups wouldn't because they didn't like Arnold because of the the way politics operated religious groups. So. But this whole endeavor took about 10 years, didn't it? Uh, right, right. I got involved in it in 2004. Corresponded with uh, Arnold before. And he was trying to get some traction. And so Sacred Well was one of many organizations that, that signed a letter of support. And Circle got involved in it as it progressed and some litigation going and got the approval. Since we've got the approval for the Pentacle, I believe we've gotten three other pagan symbols approved. I don't know. But, but once the first one was done, it was a whole lot easier for the, the Asatru symbols and you know, the heathen symbols and this kind of thing to be approved because the So here it was a 10-year endeavor mm-hmm. to get the pentacle on the grave markers. What was your role in all that? Basically, it was a support role and making sure we had the support from the military members from our circles, writing letters and things like that. But And, and they contacted you through Sacred Well Congregation? Military pagan networker. There, there was a bunch of stuff uh, going on in the pagan community about them trying to get support for this. And finally, it took litigation that Circle had started. And once that was approved, then we were able to start getting military uh, pentacles on military gravestones. And when you say Circle, you mean Circle Sanctuary? Circle Sanctuary, right. So after 10 years of many, many people being involved in getting the pentacle on the grave markers, now veterans who are pagan, can choose to have the pentacle on their grave marker. Do you know anybody who was successful in getting that on their grave marker? The first one was actually Roberta Stewart, or her husband, who's a crew. And we have got one of our members buried in Arlington Cemetery with the pentacle on the headstone. And there have been several others. There's a case in North Carolina of uh, another one of our members, who was uh, cremated and parents requested a headstone on his memorial on their farm. And so we went out for that, and that was also recorded. Very beautiful ceremony. Is there anything else you would like to tell the listeners about Sacred Well Congregation? Well, the fact that we have been in continuous support of military congregations since 1996, and we've also supporting several civilian groups. So right now, the military does not have a Wiccan chaplain, but if there's someone out there who would like to be the first military Wiccan chaplain, they can be endorsed through Sacred Well Congregation. Right, and we have got several people that are pursuing that right now. Shane Nelson is 
mentoring a number of folks who are in the process of getting their educational and experience uh, requirements met. Oh, that's wonderful. And who is Shane Nelson? Shane Nelson is our Director of Military Affairs and soon to be the Executive Director of the congregation. So if anybody is interested in being a chaplain, they can contact him. Absolutely. Shane Nelson at Sacred Well Congregation. Right. And the staff at Sacred Well Congregation will get to him, and his email address is snelson at sacredwell.org. I'll put that in the episode notes. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Oringer, for joining us today. It's been an honor to have you on the show. The honor is mine. Thank you very much for your support. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for Witch Casting with Theodora Pendragon. Have a burning question or have a topic you'd love Theodora and her guests to discuss on the show? Contact her through Instagram at Theodora Pendragon. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next one. And help us spread the word by leaving us a rating and review and sharing it with your friends. See you next time and may your magic always shine. Thank you.